Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. Well, we have a great series today. We are starting with this new series called Jesus Uncut. And there were moments in Jesus' life where he didn't hold back. Moments where he just said what needed to be said in a way that shocked his audience. It even shocked the people that he was addressing. Have you ever said something that wasn't well received? Something that you know you could have maybe delivered with a little more tact, maybe with a little more kindness, maybe a little more gentleness. You were speaking truth, but the way you were delivering it wasn't really done in love. Well, there was a moment in Jesus' life where everyone was shocked the way that he had spoken. In fact, some people even questioned whether Jesus said these things at all because it was so out of line with how he normally spoke and who he would normally speak to. And so when people look at this passage, they're kind of in awe of what he says and are disturbed by how he said it. We're going to take a look together in the Gospel of Luke and in chapter 11. And I don't know if we have these verses to put on the screen, but if we don't, then I'll just read them out loud. Um, where we're gonna, it's better if I read it from this version here because it's different than the one I'm holding in my hand. So we'll take a look at verse 37, and it says that when Jesus had finished speaking, there was a Pharisee who had invited to, him to eat with him. And so he went in, and he inclined at that table. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. And then... Let's keep going. Then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you were full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now, as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God, and you should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces." Woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves, which people walk over without knowing it. And one of the experts in the law answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us also. And Jesus replied, And you experts in the law, woe to you, because you load people down with burdens that they can hardly carry, 
and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. Woe to you, because you build tombs for the prophets, and it was your ancestors who killed them. So you testify that you approve of what your ancestors did. They killed the prophets, and you build their tombs. Because of this, God in his wisdom sent, said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill, and others they will persecute. And therefore, this generation will be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets that had been shed since the beginning of the world, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible for it all. We're going to keep reading to verse 54. And woe to you experts in the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge, and you yourselves have not entered, and you have hindered those who were entering. And when Jesus went outside, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something that he might say. It's a long passage, but the passage is so important because of how it addresses both the Pharisees and the scribes, who were the lawyers of the day. Now imagine that there were 613 commandments that could be found in the, what we call the Old Testament. 613. And what the Pharisees and the scribes did together is that they took those commandments and they expanded them, expanded them to over 6,000. They took 613 and expanded it to over 6,000. And the 613 commandments that we have in the scriptures can be condensed into the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments, Jesus took them and condensed them even further down to two commandments. Love God and then love others the way that you would want to be loved. And so what God did is that he sent Jesus to simplify things. And instead we live in a time in which religion keeps complicating things. Where our understanding of what it means to be in a relationship with God is always more complicated than it actually is. And you wonder why Jesus would become verbally violent towards the Pharisees and the scribes. Because they took what was God's and they completely distorted it. They took what was simple and they complicated it. They took what was pure and they made it impure. And I think when all of us think and consider about what it is and what it takes to be in a relationship with God, I think we have our own way of making things complicated. I think that when we have conversations with people, people have a way of complicating it. They're doing their best to explain it to us, but what they're often sharing are their own convictions. They're sharing their own experiences, which is fine. And I think that if we explain them as these are our experiences, this is my experience, this is what God has convicted me about, I don't have to take that now and turn it into a commandment for another person 
to walk in the same way that God has spoken to me about and therefore put a burden on them that God doesn't even want placed. Because it isn't their burden to carry. Because it isn't how God is speaking to them at this point in their life. He may speak to them about this at some point. But it's an unnecessary burden at this point in their life. And so what we try to do is we try to lay burdens on people at a time in which they are not ready to receive them. And that's what these scribes and Pharisees were doing. And it got Jesus very upset. And, and, and one of the lawyers says, speaks out and says, hey, you're not just insulting the Pharisees, you're insulting us as well. And then Jesus says, I have things to say to you as well. It isn't just to them, it's to you also. And I want you to think about how easy it is for us these days to just not be politically correct. I, I think that we, if we were born of a different generation, there were things that we could say when we were in elementary and high school and things that we could say even when we were in university that today just completely inappropriate. Things that we thought were okay back then are completely unacceptable today. And it's difficult for us as we age to, to still find ourselves being somehow censored when we think what we're saying is, is okay because this is, it means something else to us. But now it means something else to someone else. And, and we can't talk that way anymore. And there are times when in our relationships, even with the people that we are closest to, we've been accused of being verbally violent where we have said things to a coworker, we said things to our spouse, we said things to our children, we've said things to others that has somehow blown back on us that people say, you know, you are a person who has this issue. And, and we get labeled with being verbally violent because of an outburst because of a mistake that we may have made. It may not even be a pattern in our lives, but it just takes one time for us to fail publicly for it to never be forgotten. Isn't it true? And many of us have lived under this. We've been fired because of this. We've been warned because of this. We've been censored because of this. We've been disciplined because of this. We've lost relationships over this. We have found ourselves weakened because of this. And, and we have to understand that what Jesus is doing here is, is not just verbally abusing the Pharisees and the scribes and getting away with it in a way that we couldn't today. But I wonder if this had been put on social media today. If Jesus was filmed speaking to the Pharisees and the scribes today, would he ever be able to live it down? Think about it. The exact same things, not in the Bible, but in a TikTok video. seen millions of times and replayed over and over again and shared millions of times. Do you think people would view Jesus the same way? Probably not. 
I think this would be a moment in his life that he would always have to answer to. A moment in his life that he would always be questioned about. Yeah, but Jesus, you, you showed us that you too can be verbally violent. You proved to us that you too are someone that can lose it. Remember that day when you lost it on the scribes? When you lost it on the Pharisees? Remember that day when you overturned the tables in the temple? And you exhibited what was clearly violent behavior? And now you're being verbally abusive to people who are serving people, to, to, to priests who are in the temple sacrificing for everybody else, people who have no land, people who are dependent on the tithes of the people. This is how you treat them? This is what you say? And I, and I tell you these things because sometimes when we, when we look at what is happening in someone's life and we think we get it and we think we know and we think we can assess it and we think we can judge it and we think we can correctly discipline it. I know that because we're human, we're going to do our best, we're going to try our hardest and we are ultimately, if we love this person, we are going to do everything we can to make it right. But at the end of the day, we're still not going to be as good at it as we think we are in our own heads and hearts. And what God wants us to do is he wants us to have an understanding of what is behind it. And what is behind it to God matters so much more than it does to people. You know, like when, when things happen externally, you know, we don't think about what's happening and what's being said so much as us uh, not giving any care or concern at all for what is happening in a person's heart. What's, what are they going through? We're, we're so interested in what they did wrong that we don't understand what may have brought them there. And what Jesus does with the Pharisees and with the scribes is that he does something that we are not able to do. He exposes their hearts their intentions. He looks at their manipulations. He exposes and brings to light their hypocrisy. Now, I'm not able to do that with people. I don't have that ability, and neither do you. But Jesus has it. We can sometimes suspect it. But Jesus, what he does in this moment is that he confirms it. He brings into the light which has always been hidden in the eyes of everyone else. And people may have felt this burden and may have been disappointed with their Pharisees and their scribes and disappointed with the fact that they went from 613 commandments to over 6,000, but they couldn't say anything about it. And it talks about how they were picking the mint. And Jesus was actually referring to what a priest would do in those days is that if he wanted mint, he would keep nine for himself, and send one clover of mint off to the temple. And so he would do this with everything. No matter what it was, they would, they would count to ten, and then whatever one belonged to the temple, they would send it to the temple so that it would be a benefit to the priests who were at the service of <clears throat> all the other people or to the poor who were in need of it. Or uh, for use in ministry when they would need it most. Now, 
most recently, um, in my work as, um, as a sports chaplain, the Montreal Impact, or now known as the Montreal FC, <clears throat> they banned the ultras, which were a, uh, uh, a fan club that would meet in section 132 at the stadium. And they would create this incredible atmosphere of chanting and singing and, and uh, drum beating and uh, just they were like, you know, the ultimate soccer fans at every, at every game behind one of the uh, goalie uh, nets. And they got banned because of violence. They got banned because of, you know, they'd bring fireworks into the stadium and they weren't allowed to. They, uh, they were verbally abusive to players and, and to other fans. Uh, and then most recently they got into a huge fight with uh, Toronto fans, which it's, it's, it's hard to argue with that, but it happened. <laughs> And when, when this happened, they got banned. And, and they, they got banned because one of the things they said was that they were verbally violent. They weren't just physically violent, but they were also verbally violent, and it was constant. So they decided they were finally going to crack down. And even though they were an important part of the atmosphere in the stadium, they were going to put an end to it, and then they banned them from the stadium. But, you know, we, we see this sometimes even in you know, movies and things that we kind of like really appreciate. Uh, I guess familiar with a movie called Toy Story? You are? Okay. So Toy Story is one of the great animation movies of our um, probably ever. Honestly, it's like the first one that re redefined animation. And, and so when you look at Toy Story, there's a scene in that. I'm going to put it up on the screen. And it's this, and it's uh, Miss, Mrs. Potato Head talking to Mr. Potato Head and says, I'm packing you a next pair of shoes and, you can't see it there, but it says, your angry eyes, just in case you need it. It's a screenshot. You'll have to excuse the pixelation, okay? <clears throat> but that's what she says to him, your angry eyes, just in case you need them. Because there are moments, right? when you do need your angry eyes. Would you disagree with that statement? Sometimes you need angry eyes. People need to know you mean business. People need to know that you're serious. Some of us walk around with permanent angry eyes and not an extra pair of shoes. Isn't it true? <laughs> we don't need to pack our angry eyes. They're always on. Well, this is not the case with Jesus. That's why people were so shocked. You can, you can remove that now. The reason, the reason why people were so shocked with Jesus was that he just kept being so kind and inclusive and accepting. He was doing things that nobody else was doing that, that the Pharisees and the scribes accept, believed they would receive the same behavior. Except there was something that made these people different than everybody else. They were the ones who were the religious abusers. And if you ever experienced any form of religious abuse in your life, then you know that you need Jesus to be angry in moments like that. And knowing that Jesus is just as angry as you are, if not more, changes everything for every one of us in this room when we realize that there's no one who gets angrier 
about religious abuse than God. And he proved that when he sent Jesus. And he demonstrated that when Jesus came and took out the religious abusers of his day. And he wasn't afraid to do it. Can we say amen to that? That is the God we serve and that is the Jesus we love. That he would stand up for the oppressed. That those who had no one to defend them. And he took out the ones who were doing the most damage. And the ones who were distorting his commandments more than anyone else. And the Bible says that he does this because if we can put up Luke chapter 11 verse 42. We can see that they were spiritual exaggerators. They would, they would exaggerate what was unnecessary. They would, what is called major in the minors. And I, I think we've all had experiences with people like this. They take something that is not that important and put way too much emphasis on it. And Jesus says, you know that you are a religious abuser as a person when you are majoring in something that is nothing else but a minor. And Jesus is saying, this is how you can be verbally violent to your brother and sister, to your father and mother. This is how you can put burdens on other people as a leader in a ministry. This is how you can be abusive in your own home is when you take something that is a minor and you turn that into a major. And you look at the person and you see who they are, where they're at, you try to understand and decipher their heart, and you start to realize that this is not a major issue after all. It is a minor one and something that needs to be given the appropriate level of attention. And Jesus was saying, what you guys do is the opposite. You are spiritual exaggerators. The second thing that he said they did in verse 43 is that they were spiritual pretenders. They were more concerned about what other people thought than about what God thought. They were more, it was more important how they were seen in the synagogues and how they were greeted in the marketplaces and how people viewed them as being spiritual instead of actually being spiritual. They were spiritual pretenders. And I'll tell you, the moment you start to abuse someone else, it is because you are being a pretender. You are being a hypocrite. Come on, let's be honest with that, right? The moment that you start laying down weight on someone else's life and pointing out the defects in their life, when you know very well that you are far from having fulfilled the law in that area of your own life, you know that in that moment you're being a spiritual pretender. And instead of coming alongside that person and saying, and being honest and sincere and saying, I've got the same issue, maybe we can help each other out, make each other accountable, maybe we can encourage one another, we can pray for each other. What verses in the scriptures are encouraging and helping you? What kind of help have you sought? What kind of things have worked? What kind of things have not worked for you? Instead of getting real and honest and authentic, we become spiritual pretenders. And that's what these men were doing. They had so much sin in their own lives that they were pretending that they didn't have any at all. And they were just taking all the accolades instead of helping those around them. And God is saying, you can become verbally violent 
when you are a spiritual pretender. In verse 44, Jesus says to them, you're spiritually dead, you're just pretending to be alive. You're dead. And you're just pretending to be alive. They were spiritual pretenders. And here's the last one. In Luke eleven forty six. they were spiritual opposers. The Bible tells us in this verse that you lay a load on people that weighs them down. Instead of lifting the load, removing the load, you're laying a load on people. Listen, when we have conversations with people, uh, I think we're supposed to bring light and hope and encouragement. We're supposed to lift them up, not tear them down. We're, we're supposed to build them up, not destroy them so that they can never put themselves back together again. I think that we're supposed to be the kind of people who encourage and not discourage. And I, and I believe that that is at the heart of what it means to be the kind of human being who walks this earth that pleases God. And, and with these religious leaders and these religious abusers were doing was the complete opposite. Instead of lifting burdens, they were laying on greater ones. Instead of encouraging them, they were discouraging them. Instead of making them feel like there was hope, they made them feel hopeless. Instead of giving them help, they made them feel even more helpless. And I think that when we look at this passage, we can resonate with this because there are times when we have reached out and and, and, and would have taken any kind of help, but what we got instead was a spiritual opposer instead of someone who was there to build us up spiritually. And what Jesus is saying is that you are verbally violent when you become a spiritual opposer. When someone comes to you and is not living right, when someone is in your life and is not living right, when someone needs change, because they know that things are not right, that we are not to behave like these religious abusers. So we look at what Jesus says to these religious abusers and say, I will not be this way. I will not do these things. I will not become this person. I will not be the one who walks in the footsteps of a Pharisee or a scribe. I will be the one who will instead walk in the footsteps of Jesus. And I will call out the spiritual abuser in myself, and I will call out the religious abuser in myself, and I will call out the spiritual and religious abuser and opposer and pretender in the lives of others as well when I see it. Because I will not allow this person or any person to go around doing what the scribes and Pharisees did and got away with by killing their own prophets and then building them tombs and then pretending that those very prophets were not killed by their own commandments and rules and laws and interpretations and honoring those tombs as if they had no part in it and never repent of it just like religious abusers are still doing today where there are tombs and monuments all across Canada and around the world that speak of the religious abusers. And what God needs is for people 
who will stop walking in their footsteps and start walking in the footsteps of Jesus instead. And calling those things out and being more like Jesus and asking Jesus to transform us so that we can become like him instead of like these scribes and these Pharisees that Jesus verbally accosts. And can I just be honest with you? I'm glad he did it. I'm glad he said it. Because it needed to be said. And sometimes you have to be courageous like that, just like Jesus was. And the Bible says that they began to follow him every day after that, looking for a way to take him out. After he said those things to him, after he said those things to them, excuse me, all they could do was follow him every day to see if they could find something to use against him. Those scribes and those Pharisees hated him after that day. And they hated him with an intent to kill. And the Bible tells us that when we are not able to forgive, we can become verbally violent towards people who don't deserve it. It might be something that we're carrying around in our hearts that is spilling out into someone else's life. It can spill over at work. It can spill over with people that you love, that you care about. It could be a job that you love and people that you love that you work with. But in that moment, it just spills over. And it spills over because there was a moment where you began to hate. And without even realizing, it was leading you to a place where you had murder in your heart. And what those scribes and those Pharisees did, and the Bible tells us very clearly in, in verse 53 and 54, look at it. It says they were just lying in wait. They were lying in wait, looking for a time in which they could kill Jesus. They could accuse him and they could kill him. In verse 53 and 54, look at that. It's right there. You know why? Because they had murder in their heart. And that's what happens to us, guys. It can happen to us without even realizing it. And then we can become verbally violent and not be truthful and not be authentic and not be honoring to God and not calling out what is rightfully something that God wants us to speak out against. And we may do it in the wrong way for the wrong reasons because we have the wrong heart. And Jesus told them they were like whitewashed tombs. They were dead on the inside, but they looked very clean on the outside. That's not how we want to be. That's not what we want to be like. And so we want to pray right now that, that God helps us to take this uncut, message that Jesus gave the scribes and the Pharisees and apply it in our lives where we need it most. We ready to pray? Father, I want to thank you for your words, Jesus, and for the way that they have spoken to us and have helped us to better understand what it looks like and what it feels like to be in a 
real relationship with you and how we can be real with other people around us. Lord, in the times in which we have been verbally violent, I pray that you forgive us. If there are things in our hearts, Lord, that are unclean and that are dead, would you remove them? And would you make us clean and bring us back to life so that we can live in the footsteps of Jesus Christ? I pray, Father, that you would teach us today about what it looks like to not be a spiritual exaggerator and pretender and opposer, but instead what it looks like to do the things that you have described instead in opposition to these things. And I pray, Lord, that you would reveal that to each of us, that you would encourage and inspire us, that you would help us and transform us so that we can make a true difference in this world. We want to pray for all those in this place that have been abused, for all those that have been spiritually abused, for all those that have been religiously abused. I pray that you would heal each of us in Jesus' name. I pray that you would deliver us from that pain and that you would make us whole and that you would not allow these things to hurt us anymore and to hurt others outside of us either. I pray, Lord, that you would also be with all those across this country of ours and world where spiritual abuse is still taking place at the hands of, of religious leaders just like you addressed in your day. And that people like us would stand up against it and speak out against it and confront it and be your justice wherever it would be needed. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you immensely.